Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com. Are you struggling personally or professionally because of the coronavirus shutdown? Ready to grow your business and serve more customers and clients? Finally, there's a trustworthy website with resources, relief options, grants, support, and much more for small businesses, nonprofits, and individuals. One location with all the information. It's time to get back to work, life, and reopen America. Visit reopenamericaresourcecenter.com today. The ultimate resource platform to help you in every way. This is Everything Home, the transformational show about life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness delivered by good people doing good business and good things. Let's take the word freedom. Wouldn't it be great to have more professional freedom, personal freedom, and how about financial freedom? Every week, Michelle Swinnick, the queen of quality content, interviews experts, entrepreneurs, professionals, and purpose-driven people to share their stories, their passions, and provide real-life, tangible takeaways. Get ready to be entertained, yet learn some incredible information. This is Everything Home, and this is Michelle Swinnick. This is one of our more serious topics, but a very important one. Interesting thing is, is you don't hear a lot about it. They're the forgotten victims in our country. My special guest is Marianne Mendoza, the founder of Angel Families and Angel Moms. Today's topic, Angel Families and Moms, the Forgotten Victims of When Illegal Aliens Kill. Marianne created Angel Families and Angel Moms after her son, Sergeant Brandon Mendoza of the Mesa, Arizona Police Department, was killed on May 12, 2014, in a violent head-on collision on his way home from work. The killer, a repeat criminal illegal alien, he had driven 35 miles the wrong way on four different freeways, going 100 miles an hour, and he was over three times the legal limit for drinking and very high on meth. So Angel Families and Angel Moms is an organic group of actual victims and families of victims of illegal alien crime in our country. They fight legislation together and are here to comfort each other in times of need. A little bit about Mary Ann, you've probably seen her on television over the years. She's also an advisory board member of WeBuildTheWall.us, Women for Trump, Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. She's been a speaker at numerous Trump rallies, CNN and Fox Town Halls, the Republican National Convention in 2016, a guest on Fox News and Fox Business, participated in many discussions at the White House, testified at Senator Tom Tillis's Senate hearing last December, and most recently, President Trump was selected Marianne to be the voice of American angel families regarding immigration reform and the White House. The reason I wanted to give you all this information is because, as I mentioned in the beginning, I don't hear about this topic a lot. And Marianne isn't just trying to make a difference. She's very active, even 
in the legislation and the political side. So I wanted to make her role really clear so you can understand she's just not somebody with an idea who wants to do something. There's a lot of action involved here. So today's topic, Angel Families and Moms, the Forgotten Victims of When Illegal Aliens Kill. Marianne, I want to welcome you to the show, welcome you to the Everything Home, Patriotic Purpose Driven Resource Platform. Everything that you're doing is exactly what we stand for. And I apologize for telling that story, because I'm sure it's something that you don't necessarily want to relive, but it's important for people to understand really, you know, where all this came from. How are you today? I'm doing great, Michelle, and thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I've seen you for years. I've been wanting to have you on, and I just, you know, even with all the recent events, so the time is now. It really is. So tell us about your son, Brandon, and a few things about yourself and the organization, and then we'll just kind of take it into some specifics from there. There's just so much to go over. Right. Brandon was an incredible son. He was a third of my four, four children. And he knew from a very early age that he wanted to be a police officer, and he never went to parties or did anything during high school that would possibly make it hard for him to become a police officer. And he took a job during high school as a security guy at Target and was highly regarded Western United States, was the biggest guy who busted people in Target, stealing things and whatnot. Then he went on to a police assistant job because he applied for the police academy after high school, and they told him he was too young. So he took a job as a police assistant and then went on to animal control because they told him a second time he was too young. And then they finally accepted him into the academy. He was the youngest candidate ever allowed into the academy at that point. And when he graduated from the academy, it was just a very special time in his life. He always wanted to make a difference in his community. He wanted to be a modern-day beat cop. And a few years before his death, the police chief put him in charge of an area in South Mesa that had a park in the middle of the community, and it had been overrun by drug dealers and homeless people, and the people were just, you never saw anybody down at the park enjoying themselves. So Brennan took it upon himself to go door-to-door, introduce himself to everybody in the neighborhood, cleaned up the park, got the drug dealers out of there, got homeless people to shelters and situated with families if he could, went over and above and and actually started working with the city of Mesa code enforcement and had some of the apartment owners in there making the habitable places for people, you know, more up to par, redid the whole park, worked with the Mesa Parks and Recreation and had all new playground equipment, security cameras put up. And when he would get on duty, mothers would invite him in for dinner and He would buy gifts for children in the area whose parents couldn't afford Christmas for them. He would go to the park on his days off and play kickball with the kids and get them pizza or ice cream. He had an annual Thanksgiving dinner at the Boys and Girls Club because he knew the people down in the area couldn't really uh, sometimes afford a nice Thanksgiving dinner. And so he did a lot for his community. And so on May 11, 2014, it was Mother's Day, and we had spent the day together, and he went on, on duty, came over here for dinner. And then uh, he left. He said he'll come back for dessert. And he called me and said, I can't come back. We're pretty busy tonight. So I said, okay. So at 1 o'clock in the morning when he was on his way home from work is when this repeat illegal criminal smashed head on into him going over 100 miles an hour. And I got the call at about 3 o'clock in the morning, actually from a fellow police officer who was also Air National Guard. It was in Afghanistan at the time and said, Mom, Brandon's been in a really bad accident. And I said, I got to go. And I kept trying to call his cell phone and he wasn't answering. And 
I was just beside myself, and then the dreaded door knock came, and it was the Mesa Police Department, and they took me down to the Maricopa County Hospital, and he was in surgery, and about 45 minutes after I arrived there, the surgeon came out to tell me that Brandon had succumbed to his injuries, and it was a day that forever changed my life. I was unaware the magnitude of crimes that illegals commit in our country and the amount of American citizens that are killed. Since 9-11, over 63,000 Americans have been killed by illegal criminals in our country. And that is more than the Vietnam War, and that is on our homeland. And this is something that our politicians continually ignore. I was appalled when I found this all out. I wrote two letters to President Obama with no response from him. I didn't get a call from Senator Jeff Flake, who was our senator at the time, nor did I get a call from Senator McCain. It just was like, it was just a blip on the radar. And it made me realize that Americans are becoming collateral damage and our politicians could care less. And then as time has gone on, the realization of the fight and the protection that our politicians and city officials and county officials provide for illegal criminals in our country has just really pissed me off because every single day there is a new member of Angel Families. Every single day there is five to ten new Americans killed every single day. And there's hundreds of thousands of American victims every year of rape, assault, identity theft, hit and runs, the crime list and the amount of people who are affected by this is astronomical. And I realized the impact that my son had made, not only the loss of him on our family, but the loss of him to our community and the community outreach to me and the messages I was getting from people of the things that my son had done for people. And I just thought, you know what, I can never let my son's memory be lost. And he inspired me to do something about this. And This is what you will hear most angel families who speak up because there's many, many angel families who do not want to speak up, who don't have it in them. Maybe it's just not there in their personality or they don't have the time because they have jobs and young families that they're still raising. But the ones who do speak out, listen, nothing will ever bring my son back, but hopefully something I say or do will prevent another American mother from having experienced the pain and loss that I have. Can you give the statistic again of how many people have been killed, Americans? You want to give that again? Since 9-11, over 63,000 Americans have been killed by illegal alien criminals in our country. That realization hit me, actually. The American Sheriff's Association say there's 25 Americans killed every day by illegals in our country. And, of course, the pro-illegal groups fight that tooth and nail because they don't want those to get out there. And most of the liberal politicians in this country will not recognize an angel mom or an angel dad when we go to D.C. to try and talk to them. The only person that's met with me was Senator Kennedy from Massachusetts, or Congressman. Anyway, he met with me, but it it couldn't be on the record. I couldn't have any pictures taken with him. And he actually argued with me that illegals, they they deserve these jobs, that there's agricultural jobs and there's high-tech jobs in Massachusetts that Americans can't fill. And we had a pretty, you know, robust argument about that. And I said, we're giving free college tuition to illegals in our country. What would happen if you gave that free college education to Americans to be able to fill those jobs? These politicians want to give free everything to illegals, and they overlook American citizens. And listen, I know I have a fellow angel mom who is, she's a member of the Black Voices for Trump Coalition. And she's told me they know that they've lost black America as a voting base, 
and they are going after illegals. And this is why they are fighting so hard for illegals in this country, because they know they will be voting for liberals because of all the promises of the free stuff. But folks, they've been promising the black communities the same stuff for decades and nothing has ever come of it. So it's a pretty sad situation we've got in our country. I find it interesting that the only political official that decided to meet with you just wanted to argue and not solve a problem, just kind of wanted to, sounds like hear himself talking and and, uh, let you know that he's in charge and your your message and your your passion for Americans mean nothing as opposed to wanting to at least get some information or maybe try to do something. So that says a lot. Well, and when I first met with him, I showed him a picture of Grant Ronnebeck, who was killed here in Mesa also. He was shot point blank in the face by a repeat illegal criminal. And I showed it to him and I said, I just want to share with you a few photos. This is Grant Ronnebeck, who was assassinated in Mesa, Arizona by illegal illegal criminal, because I thought those words would resonate with a Kennedy. And I showed him the, the picture of my son and a few other angel families. And it's just amazing that it's like they smooth right over it. They don't even want to discuss these lives, these innocent lives, the dreams of American youth that have been stolen from them. Yet they stand on a platform and talk about the dreams of the illegals who, who are pouring into our country. This is so backward, folks. This is so insane that American dreams mean nothing to these American elected officials. And there's really not, I mean, unless it's, you could say, politically motivated, because as you mentioned, there's thinking, well, if we give them all these things for free, when we can get them maybe legal or maybe they get them to vote anyway and it's illegal. I mean, who knows? But until they become citizens, they don't have a vote. So they figure maybe if we start grooming them now in 10, 20 years, when that does happen, then now we have a voter base, you know, is, is, is there the, you know, well, I guess listen, that's the logic they're being, pro- they're grooming, you know what I mean? It's like farming. You plant the seed and then you, you have to wait for it to grow. There's many states who have given them driver's licenses, including California, Virginia, North Carolina. And when they are given a driver's license, they are registered to vote. Don't think that these illegals are not voting in our elections. They oh, are. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, without going off on a tangent for that, having an identification requirement is like almost saying that, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like beyond taboo when you're thinking, and they've used to, you know, they'll, they'll talk about this and say, you need it to get into any government building. You need it to get on a plane. You need it to oh, know, cash a check. You need it in order to mm-hmm. even get your food stamps and welfare, but you don't need it to vote. And I never understood, I never understood the, how you could have that argument where it just doesn't make sense. Well, and let me tell you something really quick, Michelle. Yeah. When we were down in Sunland Park, New Mexico, right outside of El Paso, building the first wall before we built the wall, As we were going home at the airport in El Paso, as we're standing in line to go through the x-ray machines and having our bags go through the x-ray machine and being searched, and you can't have a bottle of water, we were witnessing a separate line that a woman lawyer with the Catholic diocese in El Paso was ushering through this separate line, and it was illegals. They had their 8 by 11 manila folders that says, we don't speak English, on them, They were being ushered through a line with open bottles of Coca-Cola and water, and they didn't have to throw them away. Their bags did not go through an x-ray machine. They did not go through scanning machines. And the TSA agents looked at them and just let them pass right through. We were appalled that this was happening because of what we had to go through to get through the TSA line. 
And one of the ladies who was with us was an airline employee, and she went over and talked to the TSA agent, and he said 90% of the time, the name on their boarding pass doesn't even match the name of their paperwork in the envelope. But they just have to turn their back and let them all go through. Well, I brought that to Andy Biggs' attention, which he had a bunch of congressmen sign on, and they had an explanation from TSA. It has since stopped in El Paso, so they don't have that separate line for illegals anymore. And it was happening in McAllen, Texas also. And so we've brought that to Andy Biggs' attention. He's jumped right on it. We had photos. We had all kinds of stuff that we were able to give to him. But think about that. An illegal in our country doesn't have to go through the same scanning or anything through TSA to get on an airplane and fly in our country. And this is recent. This isn't something you know, five, ten years ago, this right? Is this is recent. This was a year ago. Yeah, just a year ago. You know, it's just a lot of this stuff is just mind-blowing once you start paying attention and listening and finding this out, like yourself. I mean, the experiences that you've had once you started opening up this Pandora's box and seeing what is going on and all of these different aspects from the illegal aliens to you when you're talking about the border and uh, we haven't even gotten into the, the, you know, the, the, the other topics we're going to talk about. You're, you're almost like an almanac at this point, but real stories and experiences that would literally cause complete silence if you were delivering the information in a room of people because they would be like, get out of here. This is not happening right now in 2020. And you're like, no, I'm not making this up. People would just be shocked. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing the research for the show, and I had mentioned this to you before we went on the air, I said, normally what I do is I go through pretty detailed. I've got some statistics. And there's a lot of websites. So I I feel really well versed about the topics and especially the guests and things like that. I started to just try to figure out how many Americans were killed by illegal aliens each year. And there was maybe three or four, the Google searches that came up that gave some sort of an article, but nothing was specific. I couldn't get a number The dates were older and it was hardly anything. So as I started to try to figure out these different categories and all the information, I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm actually going to come into this with the little information that I do have because I can't find any. And you don't hear about this on TV. You don't hear about it in the news. They don't have the special groups and these big organizations that have committees and fellowships and the big organizations and you name it, let all these other groups, these big platforms have when they have something that they want to stand behind. That's not there. Right. It's, it's like cricket. So I'm going into this with just as like average Joe and it's mind blowing just listening to your story so far. I had no idea. Well, and see, here's the biggest problem with getting this, the true statistics. And of course, the Cato Institute will put out there all the time. They always have a narrative and agenda for the statistics that they want to put out there because, God forbid, mainstream America finds out what's really happening. So now, when these illegals are arrested and they are booked, eight out of 10 times when you look at their booking information and they're clearly Hispanic, they're clearly illegal, they're clearly many, many things, their race will say white. And so the crime statistics are now skewed because mm-hmm. these pro-illegal groups were crying, this is racial profiling. And of course, with the consensus, they don't want immigration status put on there. They will never ask them their immigration status as they're booking them. So we have no clue 
number one, the true crimes that they commit, and number two, what their immigration status is, because it's racial profiling and it's not allowed anymore. Now, the state of Oregon, there's a man up there who does a report that he sends me every month, and he said he can't get this information with any other state in the country. And, and believe me, there's many, many people working on this. But he gets the true statistics of who's in the prison system, what country they're from, what crime they've committed, the percentage of illegals in their prison systems in Oregon. And I find it pretty ironic because Oregon is a sanctuary state that they would even allow that information to get out. But when you take one state like that and you look at what's happening up there, and you can just take even a 50% average of that and spread it across the United States. It's mind-boggling. But the other thing that happened, and, uh, and Governor Ducey here in Arizona, he did change this a while ago, but in most states, and it was happening here in Arizona, if an illegal was sentenced for the same crime you committed, Michelle, they would only have to serve 50% of their sentence. You would have to serve at least 85% of your sentence. And that's happening many, many times across this country. In the case of Steve Ronnebeck, you know, when he was going to the court, he would have to provide transportation for himself, pay the parking garage, pay to eat in the cafeteria. He would show up at court hearings, and they would have provided transportation for the illegal family who killed his son. They would give them vouchers to go down to the cafeteria and eat. They actually flew seven family members in from Mexico to testify at his intellectual hearing And five of those seven people disappeared into the interior of the United States. They weren't able to fly them back to Mexico to where they live. So now we've got five more people who don't belong here who are sucking off the American taxpayers. But every bit of that money, the transportation to and from court, money to eat in the cafeteria, that's all taxpayer provided for the illegal criminal and their family. That's insane. It's insane that you're actually telling me these stories and they're current. Yes. It's almost as bad as what's going on. Now, where I'm on TV and I'm watching people destroying statues and spray painting and taking them down. And I said, if I actually almost put the stamp on an envelope wrong, somehow I would get a ticket for that. Right. And then all of a sudden, these people are committing legitimate crimes and it's on TV. So you actually see who it is and nothing happens. But God forbid, I'm five miles over the speed limit and boom. Next thing you know, I got lights or whatever the case may be. So it's just well. And if we what were do you do? What do we do? Is what do we do? Is is regular people? I mean, we just can't not keep letting this happen. But then again, like you mentioned, even a lot of the angel families, you said some a lot of them don't want to speak out because they, you know, people have their lives. They've got jobs. They're busy. They've got other things going on. So they, a lot of times, people don't have time to be active. But if we're not, then turn on TV. That's what happens. That's where we're headed. Because we've been doing it because we're not doing our part to not let that happen and say, that's ridiculous. You know, I would say the words bullshit, this thing that Mm -hmm. you can go ahead and just because you feel like it, you can go do that. I get a letter from my HOA because the grass is too high. And then next thing you know, they throw a $50 fine at me. But that guy, (laughs) he can do that. And don't forget who paid for that statue. Yours are my tax dollars. So is there anything that people can do or to at least, I don't know, I mean, you know where we're going with this. So it's like, what can you do? The little people like us is besides support you in that. But I mean, from a direct action or is there something or do we just, I mean, who do we say something to? Who cares? Does anyone care? Yeah, I just don't. If the politicians aren't doing anything, none of them even want to talk to you. And you've got an organization. You've got a personal story where this happened to your son. 
And you couldn't even get your own senators to have a conversation with you. Now what? Like, what do we do? Well, I always tell people, if you listen to a podcast like this and there's one or two things that resonate with you, tell 10 people and let them know because it's word of mouth in this situation that gets people around. But like you and I talked about before on this show, I want to encourage people to be very, very aware of the people that you're voting for in your local elections. City, county, state levels, federal elections are obviously very important, but do not discount the fact that you need to get out there on voting day on your local elections because a mayor and a city council, they are the people who make a decision if a police department is going to act in a sanctuary way, if they're going to protect illegals, if they're going to be calling the ICE agents to come pick these people up to be deported. They are the ones who decide if a police department is going to be defunded. You look at Minneapolis. It's a 12-0 vote by the 12 council members in Minneapolis, city council members. They decided to defund the police department without voter approval. And the mayor, he's kind of against it, but we don't know which way he's going to turn, if he's going to veto it or if he's going to go along with it because of public pressure. But if so, that's 13 people out of the whole city of Minneapolis who's made that decision to defund the police department without voter approval. And the same thing happens with sanctuary policies in cities, states, and counties. It's the sheriff who's elected in who decides to come in with a personal agenda and make the county a sanctuary county. It's a mayor and a city council who make that decision. So you've got to be very, very careful who you're voting for on a local level. This is where the destruction of our country is coming in, is on a local level. City by city, by county, by state, it's happening. And so those are the people that we need to concentrate on. That's where your voice and your vote can make a difference in this country. One of the great points that you brought up, and until you mentioned it, it never registered in my own little brain that how important they were. And if people want to have a little bit more reminder, well, who do you think says you have to wear a mask now? Who do you think deemed your business Mm -hmm. essential or non-essential? Who determined that you couldn't go to church of all things? You can go ahead and riot. That's cool. You can go ahead and take down the statues. You can protest. Not a problem. You're not allowed to go to church. So the same people yeah, oh, you can go to Walmart, no problem. You could run around with, you know, yeah. take your shirt off, run around town, not a big deal. You can go to mm-hmm. any of the big stores, but you can't go get something to eat at a local restaurant. And you can't go to a little retail store, small one, because that's not an essential business. So, oh, and you can't right. get stage four cancer treatment that you normally were going to be going for because that's an elective surgery and we're not having any of those. So you're going to have to wait three months to go get your cancer treatment. So hopefully you don't die before then. So those people that you're talking about made all those decisions. And they're the same people that Mm -hmm. make the decisions on whether or not you're talking about police forces and sanctuary cities and all of that. So yes, it's important that people pay attention now and start to do something. So tell 10 people and say, hey, listen, listen to the show. Look at Marianne's website. Just start paying attention. Start doing something because it's well, and they can, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at ma mendoza 480, and I post a lot of illegal crime on there that you don't see in the mainstream media. Another good website for people to to go to is illegalaliencrimereport.com. Dave Gibson is a very good friend of mine, retired police officer, private investigator. And he does incredible reporting. He has contact with police departments across the United States, can call and ask them, is this an illegal? And they'll tell him yes or no. But that police department can't 
release that information to the public. So he gets in-depth information about these crimes. There's many, many websites like that. I have a military wife who I've never met, and she does research for me every single day. I get between 30 to 70 articles a day from her on illegal crime being committed across this country because she just researches all these obscure publications and gets them to me. And so I try and post as many of those as I can in a day's time. But it's insane. And most of the articles will say a Philadelphia woman. Then I call Dave and he's like, nope, she's an illegal from wherever. A Phoenix man. The media loves to do that. And, you know, you see the picture of the person and you see their name and you know they've got to be illegal. And unfortunately, that's where my mind goes with what I've been through in, the, in this world. But I always do my research and I always make sure that the information I put out is correct. I will never say they're illegal unless I know for sure 100% that they are. But it's astonishing, astonishing how many crimes are committed by illegals what? in this country. It's just crazy. People need to keep in mind, you live this every day and you've submerged yourself in it since really 2014. And so for you to kind of make an assessment or to just kind of see a pattern or to know exactly how it's going to pan out, it's like anybody else who is an expert in their field or their profession where they know how it's going to go. They know exactly how it's going to play out because it's the same over and over. So you just, you know, you already know, you know exactly when you, like you mentioned, you see this, you see this, you know exactly the story, you know, maybe even now you're so in it where you know exactly who the politicians are, or even, you know, you're talking the border patrol, you know, where, you know, where the problems are and you know how they're getting through and you know what it's like the TSA you know where the holes are and it's, you know, about money and it's about power. So unfortunately, you're an expert in this (laughs) area and you're unfortunately, you're an expert in this area. Well, and even when I see a city, you know, like mentioned in a report, I'll be like, yep, they're not going to call ICE to come get them. Yep. They're going to be released without bail. Yep. You know, I know what's going to happen in every situation in most of these cities that are mentioned in these articles. It's like clockwork of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the saddest thing. When you look at New York and even what was happening during, during this COVID thing and all the people that they were releasing from prison and how many of them committed crimes within you know, hours of being released, what do they think is going to happen? The same thing with these illegals. When they're released and they're given a court date to show back up in court, the percentage is so large that they don't, you know, so big that they don't show up back at their court. They can just assume another identity and go on living their life. And this emboldens them because they know they're not going to get punished. They know when they live in a sanctuary city, county, or state, they know that those law enforcement officials are going to protect them. They're not going to call ICE to come get them. And how the argument that a sanctuary policy keeps our community safer because even if they're illegal, they'll come forward to, to tell us about a crime that's been committed. No, they won't because they don't believe that they're not going to be deported. And everybody just shuts up and protects themselves because they're afraid of what's going to happen to their family if they do squill on the person who committed the crime, whether there's a sanctuary policy in place or not. But what these elected officials need to understand is those sanctuary policies in place are putting American lives at risk because it's protecting the illegal criminals, period. That is all that is doing. Yeah, and, and the key word here is criminals. So, you know, you have the people that are arguing, oh, they're illegal, but they're not really criminals. I don't even want to go down that road, okay? So let's not even go to that. Let's go with the people that we're talking about here. You're talking about people that are committing 
violent crimes. They're not just going and stealing a can of soda from the store. You know, you mentioned earlier, you're talking about rape. You're talking about, oh, God. Yeah, assaults. I mean, you're talking about, like, murder. And you're talking about, you know, very extreme type of crimes that these people have committed. Not the guy that just is working here at the restaurant under the table. So that's the part that really blows my mind. Because take the illegal part out, it's still the severity of the crime is not even being right. acknowledged. Because if it was me or you that did it, total opposite re- reaction. And that's, right. that's the part that I think that people really need to pay attention and just realize it's that bad. It's, we're not even talking well, about crime. And identity theft is a huge thing, Michelle. I mean, I had a military guy who was in touch with me. And while he was deployed to Iraq, his identity had been stolen. And 12 people were using it. And what really infuriates me is we have an, an IRS system that will find you if you owe 10 cents. But <laughs> you have an IRS system that has a social security number that's being used by not only 12 illegals, but the actual American who owns that social security number. And returns are being filed. And there's no red flags raised at the IRS. Nothing's being done through the Social Security Administration. This man came back. His life was ruined. He was getting in touch with all of his local politicians. Nobody would help. Everybody was just poo-pooing him off. The IRS won't help. Social Security won't help. The IRS keeps sending him things that he owes tens of thousands of dollars in tax money that it wasn't for jobs that he had. He has proof that he was deployed to Iraq at the time. He wasn't even working at the meatpacking plant in Kentucky. And they do nothing for Americans. Your life is absolutely ruined. You can't get insurance. This military vet cannot get a job. He could not get an apartment. He could not get a car loan. He was chosen for an internship in D.C. Once they pulled his credit report up, they denied him the internship. His life is ruined, and there's nobody helping him. And this is what happens to American citizens when their identity is stolen. But this is recent also? Yes. Yes, this is in the last three years. Wow. And anyone that's lived through any portion of that knows how difficult it is to even just get a something resolved to even just get the card canceled to fix nothing, even if it's not complete identity theft or just you're just trying to fix one or two issues, how frustrating it is. And Governor DeSantos just worked with Angel Families in Florida. I had an Angel Family, Cayenne and Bobby Michael, their son Brandon was killed in 2007 in Florida by an illegal. And they've been working with Governor DeSantos. They were side by side with him testifying at the state hearings. He passed the anti-sanctuary bill. And he just signed into law two days ago in Florida the E-Verify bill. This is what needs to be done clear across the United States. But you've got the big corporations and Chamber of Commerce across the United States who will fight tooth and nail. They've got the money to do it. Go to their politicians. Who knows what kind of money they're being paid to be on their side. And they will stop the E-Verify from happening, which would halt identity theft in its tracks and protect American citizens. But our politicians don't want that. So besides the governor of Florida, DeSantis, is there anyone else that's done anything or try? Well, I don't want to say try because you don't have to try. It's either you're going to do it or you don't do it. Either you want to make it happen or you don't. So I'm tired of them saying, well, you know, in politics, it's it's like making the sausage or whatever stupid phrase they use. And then they'll say, oh, well, you know, uh, the long arm of justice, it takes a long time. No, it doesn't. It literally can happen very, very quickly if somebody wants it to, because I've watched a lot of stuff recently happen real, real quick. That mm-hmm. normally takes years and years. Like all of a sudden, you know, there's uh, originally when you, when you, when you want to have a 
vaccine, it's five, 10 years, clinical this, da, da, da. Now all of a sudden we're on fast track. It's going to be here in a couple months. Come on, right. people. So everything that everyone's told you over the years, and I'm going to say it again, it's all bullshit. If somebody wants to get mm-hmm. something done, they can't. And they want to move something quickly, regardless of what category it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's political or it's through business. It's, it's through law. It doesn't matter. It can be done quickly. They've proven it. So anything that they've told you for years, they just basically, <laughs> they threw out the truth because they're trying to solve yet some other problem in the past couple of months that they showed the true cards. They showed, you know what I mean? They basically were like, oh, yeah. we shouldn't have said that because now all the other things that we've been telling them, they might figure it out that we've been giving them. It's not true. Well, in North Carolina, the previous governor had made North Carolina anti-sanctuary state. But they voted in four Democratic sheriffs. Sheriff McFadden is one of them in North Carolina. And immediately when he was sworn into office, he made that county a sanctuary county. It's against the state law, but nobody is doing anything about it. All four of those counties that those sheriffs made sanctuary counties, they don't do anything about it. And so this is what is so frustrating, Michelle, is because we fight and we get things like this passed in certain states, and yet they just thumb their noses at you and do it. And I'm so sick of hearing Democrats say, no one's above the law. Well, every one of them are above the law because they can just get into office and do whatever the hell they want. And it's frustrating. And the illegals are above the law. I mean, you know what? We are becoming second-class citizens in our own country. We don't have representation that listens to us. And we've got mayors and city councils who make decisions without voter approval on anything. And it's really kind of a frightening state of affairs of what's happening. This is what my eyes have been opened up to. Yes, if you've been woke, which I still really haven't quite gotten a true definition of what they mean when they say that. But in your case, it's actually been in the correct way where you're really seeing things and you're trying to get people to pay attention and to listen to what's going on. And as far as there, so North Carolina, you've got Florida, but then again, once, as you mentioned, the... You would think, hey, it's a, it's a, it's a non-sanctuary state or an anti-sanctuary state. Someone could come in and just carve out whatever they felt like it. So sheriff is another important role that people can vote for. So people, you need to put that on your list with mayor, city council, and obviously governor. And we've proven that just over the past couple of months. The only person that I heard from a political pro point is when I saw you at the White House in the Rose Garden when um, Trump had that event. And I don't remember the name of it. You're going to, you can share the story, but when they do things like that and you're, and I know there's all these obstacles, I mean, is there movement that happens after that or is it come to a standstill because you've got all of these moving parts where the politicians don't want to do anything in the cities and states there, you've showed enough stories where nothing happens. So Can you talk about that? Can you share that story when you went there and anything positive that came of it? So people at least have that there's somebody on um, on the side of the Americans and especially the angel families. Our president, you know, and a lot of the people who work within the White House, you've got Jim Jordan, you've got Andy Biggs, you've got many, many members of Congress, of course, Republican congressional members who are on our side and who fight for us. But, you know, when I testified at Senator Tom Tillis' Senate hearing, it was a very emotional day, and it was very hard for me to sit through that and listen to some of these Democratic politicians speak defending illegal criminals to me, to my face, after my son, who was a law enforcement officer, was killed. And when I'm bringing up so many stories and reading them to them about 
innocent Americans who were killed, to have them actually sit there and argue with me just really infuriated me. But what is really sad is I came out of that thinking, you know, because the hearing was about allowing American citizens to sue the politicians or the elected officials who have put sanctuary policies in place if their loved one has been killed as a result of that sanctuary policy being put in place. And nothing's happened with that bill. And then I heard through the grapevine that he did that in the State of the Union address. President Trump brought Tom Tillis up, and it was all about him getting reelected. And so I've contacted his office many times and said, look, this is what I've heard through the grapevine, and if I testified at that thing strictly for him to get reelected, you have lost the support of angel families, and I will get the word out about Senator Tom Tillis and what he's about. And they've assured me, no, no, you know, this is moving forward, and I've been keeping an eye on the bill, and it's gone nowhere. But those are the types of bills, even Kate's Law, the anti-sanctuary bill, all of those things were passed in Congress when it was Republican-controlled, and then it was sidelined. It wasn't ever brought to the floor in the Senate, and we kept pounding Mitch McConnell's office, went and met with them and said, you need to bring it to the floor and get it passed. We had control of the House and the Senate, and they let that window of opportunity pass us up. And again, where's the money that's padding the pockets of these people who refuse to do anything to protect their American citizens, the people who voted them into office? Did you get any feedback from, let's say, inside sources, but you know what I mean, as to why it never moved anywhere in the Senate, especially if the Republicans were in charge of all three branches? No. No, nothing. No. Nothing. And, and, you know, I was at the uh, CNN town hall. It was before Trump won and it was Paul Ryan was there. And, you know, he was such a pandering fool and, you know, acting like he's also sorry about my situation. And then they had a DACA recipient get up after me. And then he's just swarming all over her with praises about how they're so happy to have her here in this country, you know, as a dreamer. And it just made me sick to watch what they do. It's like, grow a set and stand up for something. Stand for something. You can't ride the fence, not in this political arena in the United States, not with all of these issues that we have at hand that are important. And people cannot forget about border security, the importance of immigration reform. Those are important things that are always overshadowed because the Democrats don't want to talk about that because all they do is they talk about issues when it benefits them, but they never solve any issues, ever, 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 ever. They have never solved any issue. They've created more problems in our country than solving issues. And I've gotten a hold of many, many congressional leaders in their offices, talked to their staff and said, look, because there's YouTubes out there. Some of the angel moms go in and create a big scene and scream and yell. and, And that's not the kind of person I am. Just like how I got in with Kennedy, I told them, look, We may have a thread of things that we agree on, but I want to make it into a piece of yarn. I want to sit down and talk to him face-to-face, and let's find some ground of commonality that we can have in this immigration reform that needs to happen in this country. That has been in the hands of Congress for many, many years. Decades, they have done nothing about immigration reform. The DACA program, Congress wouldn't handle it, so President Obama just signed an executive order into place. That was unlawful. He did not have the authority to change immigration law, and yet he did it, and Congress let him. Could you imagine? I mean, look at what Trump's up against trying to cancel that program. Look at what he's up against. It's the insane. Supreme Court won't recognize that President Obama didn't have the authority to change immigration law. Congress won't stand up and say he didn't have the authority to do that, yet they let him do it. Yeah, but you know, the thing that's so sad, and especially you see it more so now, and I'm glad that you brought it up 
it doesn't matter if you're left or right. I want people to put a common sense hat on for once. And right. they bring up these issues or they allow things to go through because they think it makes them look good. Or all of a sudden they get the picture that they wanted or in for the five minutes that it's in the, you know, topic that makes them look good. It's going to help them with their career, maybe. And hopefully, you know, they're trying to get reelected. They don't care. They literally don't care. So everything is for a photo op. Everything is for what's going to benefit them in regards to their political agenda. And the American people need to understand that. You know, there's a handful of politicians that actually seem like they do care. And there is some sort of respect for Americans in the law and the way things should be. You mentioned Biggs and Jordan. But for the most part, no. And the Democrats are huge at that. And like I said, I'm not begging on them because they're Democrats. I'm just looking at the facts. So they'll ride the train of a message. Or like you said, Paul Ryan, it was there because they thought swooning all over this girl because that might get them, you know, the votes or might get them the actual, you know, the donor check from the corporation or the whomever it may be. And I'm just right. tired of seeing that. I'm tired of seeing them jump on a movement or a message or something for a short period of time where all of a sudden, yeah, pro this. And then literally when the news cycle goes to the next one, it's never talked about again. And Uh you just go, wait a second, if you really cared about it, then, but you didn't care about it two months ago. You didn't care about it yesterday. Today, it's the biggest thing on planet earth. And in three months from now, you're going to even forget about it when I ask you, because you're going to look at me like I was talking about Corona. And you say to a Democrat on November 4th, so the coronavirus, or you say, so now what's going on with Corona? You mean the beer? (laughs) Go in with one. No, no, like, you know, Corona, or we just had, you know, it doesn't seem like we'll have a lockdown anymore. And they're like, the only Corona that I know is the beer. And other than that, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, boom, it's just going to be like, it never happened. So, November um, 4th, it'll be cured. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be cured. It'll be a magical cure. And it was something that they released, that the air, God did it on its own, or, or perhaps it was something that was just released into the atmosphere, that magic, something changed on the, in the planet. I mean, it's going to be that ridiculous. Or an alien dropped off, dropped off of this magical vaccine. Oh, my God. Yep. You must be so frustrated. That's the problem with knowing too much and the problem with being mm-hmm. so passionate about things and the being so purpose-driven and then knowing how well, it really works. I, then you see it, you just go, and then you run into it and you have, you know what can be done. And then you run into these obstacles. You try to, like you said, try to stay calm, even though you don't want well, to. Well, and let me just talk about DACA for a minute, because I don't think a lot of people know too much. When Obama put this into place, it was a let's get it done quick. And they were just rubber stamping every application that happened. These people weren't vetted. And there's about 33% of the DACA participants who are criminals. They even had criminal records before they were even brought onto the DACA. They weren't vetted, so they didn't know about their past. So within the DACA program, you can commit up to three misdemeanors and still be kept in the DACA program. There are many, many cases where a DACA recipient has committed a felony, and the defense attorneys go in front of the judges. They plea it down to a misdemeanor because... We need to get this down to a misdemeanor because they're in the DACA program and, and they can have a misdemeanor to stay in the program. But if it's a felony, they'll be kicked out. Of course, I've never seen anybody kicked out. So this is happening on a widespread basis. So then the pro-DACA people always talk about they're contributing members of society. Well, if you're contributing members of society, then why are you on welfare, food stamps, or, or reduced housing? 
you know, there's got to be immigrate, there's got to be DACA reform of some sort. It would get rid of 50% of the 800,000 DACA recipients right now, 400,000 of them would be out of there because they're on taxpayer benefit programs or because they've committed crimes. I don't think they should be able to commit even one misdemeanor. And since the Supreme Court decision a few weeks ago of where DHS has to rewrite the whole thing and get it resubmitted to the Supreme Court, that opened the doors to all these new people to start applying. They've been applying in droves for the DACA program now and being accepted into it, so the numbers are growing. And I have always been of this stance, Michelle. There are tens of thousands of illegals living in our country. But when you've got a large portion of them who are contributing members of society, they've never committed a crime, they've worked all of their lives for everything they have, those are not the people that I'm talking about that we need to get rid of out of our country. This is where immigration reform needs to come in and to help these people find a path to citizenship. I'm talking about the illegal alien, criminal aspect in our country, and I even talked to some people who were involved in the immigration reform with the White House, and I said to them, Okay, so are the 900,000-plus illegal alien convicted felons that are walking our streets waiting for deportation, are those people on the top of the list of immigration reform? Well, we've never even discussed that. That hasn't even been part of our discussion. And this is why I told President Trump, angel families need to have a seat at the table, because we have all of these questions and we know how it's affected angel families. We need to have input in this. I don't need somebody in D.C. who's never been affected by illegal alien crime to tell me how illegal immigration reform needs to happen when you haven't even asked us, how does this happen to you and what do we need to do to change it to what would have prevented your son from being killed, right? Oh, you're totally right. That's why it's important to have people that have experience, that are experts, that lived through it to provide and give suggestions for solutions. You know, it doesn't, right. doesn't make sense. They obviously don't care about this issue. So that's why it's not moved forward. And the fact that they don't want to meet with you even proves that even further. So then I want them in charge of figuring out how to solve the problem when A, you don't care about it. And B, you don't know anything about it because you've never lived through it. So right. it's almost the point you want all of them out of the picture and bring in you know, qualified people to have that discussion to figure out mm-hmm. what, what to do. I do have a question about the DACA which remember, average hat, just based minimal knowledge. I thought that was only for like people under the age eighteen. Is it for is it for an older group? When they signed up. When they when signed they sign up. up. And then once they're in, they have that umbrella of protection around them. So regardless Correct. of the crimes, is when you mentioned thirty three percent of them have that criminal history. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I mean, how bad of a kid are you? <laughs> you're, you're, you're if they were brought here the before time. they were 18, they could sign up for it. Okay. Just, I'm glad that you clarified that. And people don't know. Like I said, I don't know these things because you don't hear about it. And it's, there's no push for it. You're on a level where right. they're trying to make a difference. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't know how you... How you keep saying it's that, like you said, you said it was something that your son wanted you to do. That's where you, this all came from. It's that, you know, you've got so much passion about it. It's your purpose and you want to keep his legacy alive. You want to celebrate him for all the amazing things he did and the type of person he was. And, And for anyone who doesn't, no. Every time I see his picture, I'm like, damn, he's a good looking man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's really he's really good looking. So uh, his nickname was Hollywood <laughs> down in his beat. Oh, when the young oh. girls found out he was on duty, they would all run in and get their hair fixed and their makeup on and everything. <laughs> it was funny the stories that some of the mothers were telling me. It was just crazy. Oh, 
But. Yeah, and I'm sure the mothers got ready too, because like you said, this is I, I, yeah. saying he's good looking isn't doing him justice. This guy was hot. Okay. I mean, when you could say, man, this guy was hot. He was hot. And he was a cop. So then, you, you know, and he's like, he's built too. So he's not some like little guy, you know, that you put on your pocket. I mean, he's like a full on man. So yeah, mm-hmm. good, just hot. And oh. he was beautiful inside, just as beautiful inside yeah. as he was outside. He was just an amazing man. Yeah. Well, you know, every time that I see on TV or especially when we started communicating, my heart just goes out to you. I mean, I understand what loss is about, not at the level where it was a child of mine, but I say a prayer every time that I see you or something that reminds me of that. And you're doing great work and you're just somebody you. that you're what this is all about. You're what America stands for. You're showing people that thing you can believe in something and you can fight for it. And you could do it in a way where you're, you're, you're not knocking down statues, but you could make some progress. So, you know, you can stand behind something and believe in it. It's just that I wish there was more that can be done. And maybe that's what this chapter is now going to be focusing on. You know, it's time to get some bodies on board that can really do something. So let's talk about mm-hmm. that. What are you guys doing? What can people do Moving forward, let's just pretend the life back to normal. Corona's gone and boom. So let's just pretend. August 1st, everything's normal. And people can do things that they actually care about as opposed to just trying to figure out on how to go to the wrong store or something. Or God forbid they don't have right. a mask on the right way because they showed my nose and now I get a ticket. So let's just pretend everything's <laughs> back to normal. What are you guys going to be focusing on and what can people do so that we can actually get something done that we can say, all right things have changed. Well, obviously, we always need help, you know, for our travel to D.C., you know, and a lot of times we're given a day or two notice. I may get calls from Jim Jordan's office or Andy Biggs or something that they need me there for a hearing that's going to be happening, even if I'm just in the audience. And Andy Biggs is always very kind to bring up my son's story if if there's some sort of hearing about it. We're trying to push to have a hearing about illegal alien victims because they've had illegal aliens in there many, many times talking about what's happened because they were separated from their child for 15 days and how they're psychologically damaged the rest of their lives. We want a hearing about illegal alien American victims, and we're pushing for that pretty hard. Like I said, anytime that I'm called to testify, obviously it's short notice. We need money to be able to get there, you know, a hotel to stay overnight. We also need counseling for a lot of these newest members of angel families. And some of them, when their child has been killed, even was six years in May that, that Brandon was killed. There's down days that I have. I mean, I stay in the fight and I keep myself focused on other things, but there are some mothers and fathers who are still dealing with the grief. And what, you know, the sad thing is we had a California judge many months ago rule that the federal government needed to pay for counseling for these illegals who had been separated from their children for the psychological damage. We need money for counseling for our angel families. We need to provide counseling for them, grief counseling for them to get in and and get past this because oftentimes we're left holding the bill for a, a funeral, an unexpected funeral, a preventable funeral. Many times couples get divorced over this because one spouse may want to fight it, the other one may not want to. We've got to have the counseling available for families to keep them together and get through this sort of tragedy. And just our everyday operations. I mean, this is what I do 24-7. And we've got mailings that we send out. We've got websites that we've got to upkeep. We've got social media accounts that we've got to get the information out on and try and get out into our communities. I did a seven-city Make America Safe Again tour last September. We pulled our RV. Frank and I went, and we were joined by Steve Ronnebeck, 
and we stopped at seven cities across the United States on our way to D.C. and had little town halls there with the people in those cities, and they were pretty well attended. We had a very good reception from people. And again, you know, some of the things I've talked about today, people don't know these things. And so it was eye-opening. And so we want to do more of those. We want to have Angel Family Town Halls. We want to be able to get out there in the public and educate our fellow Americans, because this could be any one of your listeners tomorrow. They could be sitting in my seat. Yeah, which is scary. And especially if you're looking at just, say, simple math. So if that population is growing and a certain percentage commit a crime, and now you have more of them, you have potential for more crime, regardless of whether you're talking about people or cars or, you know what I mean? Statistics are statistics. So if you're growing in numbers because of the policies that are in place or being neglected, like the immigration and the border and the DACA and all that, the like more likelihood of it happening to you or coming into your neighborhood mm-hmm. is very high. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of almost when. You know, it's yes, like a perfect and I say example. That very often. Yeah, it's a perfect yeah. example. The brain surgeon, that mayor from Seattle, she's like, no, let them do what they need to do. The summer of love. Duh, 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 duh. But then all of a sudden they started coming to her house and oh, now this is it. We're going to have security. This thing's going to end. Duh, duh, duh. So, you know, they they always love the not in my backyard. But guess what? Nothing is off limits at this point. And it's been proven literally over the past couple of months that nothing is off limits. So it's time for some action. So what's the website again? Is that donations? They can make them on the website? Yes, it's angelfamilies.org. And on our website is our address. Now, Angel Moms is our 501c3. So if you need a tax deduction, you can send a check to our address. Angel Families is an LLC so that we're able to be completely politically involved in things because with a 501c3, you can't be. And so we have two separate entities so that we're able to fully engage in our fight. I'm glad that you did it that way because if you don't have some sort of voice in the political arena, then this definitely would not get anywhere. I mean, could you imagine if you were just saying, you know, please do something as opposed to actually having a position where you can create some sort of awareness or at least movement on that side. So very smart to structure it the right way. Andy Biggs is a great, I mean, we are so lucky to have him representing us here in Arizona. And he brings congressional members many times a year down to the border to take them down there to talk to Sheriff Lamb in Pinal County, to talk to Sheriff Daniels down in Cochise County. And been able to engage, he usually invites me to dinner one of the nights that he has them all, and I've been able to engage with some of the congressional members across the United States. One of them was from North Carolina, and I was talking to him and saying, you know, you've got a child rape epidemic in North Carolina going on by illegals, and he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, there's a website, NC, standing for North Carolina, ncfire.info, and if people go to that, all it does is show you the statistics and how many children are raped by illegals in that state every single month. And if you go back throughout the years, it's a child rape epidemic going on in North Carolina. And he was unaware of it, you know, and so that gave me the opportunity to engage with him and make him more aware. You're a congressman and you don't even know these types of statistics. That's another scary thought that they're actually in office and they're not even aware of what's happening in their own states. So that was a good contact for me to make and and to stay in touch with his staff member and make sure that they got fully engaged on that issue there in North Carolina. But 
this is happening all across our country, that we've got congressional members and senatorial members who really aren't engaged, don't know what's going on in their states. And we need to change that, folks, and we need to become vocal. And our voices do matter, but our vote matters even more than our voices. Yeah, they don't care. So we have to make them accountable. That's our job. That's the only thing that we can do is like you pointed it out. Like I had no clue. That's another thing that you just go, seriously? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm happy to hear that Andy Viggs is a good, is a supporter and he gets it because he oh, yeah. really, def- and he defended Arizona today, Cavuto. Cavuto went after him with all of these fear facts that the media is pushing out there about the corona and all of our cases. This is a, like the whole state of Arizona is imploding and burning down. And if you look at the numbers, it's actually, they're, it, the numbers are better. The headline today in the Arizona Republic is coronavirus or COVID cases down. And then you, they must have said, oh, we got to somehow counteract that. But, <laughs> and then they went on to finish this to another, you know, a whole other tangent, but the cases are down. And if anyone has looked at the patterns and it's been consistent, all states, the whole country, it goes up for two or three days, then it goes down for a day to two days to three days, then it goes up, then it for two or three days, then it goes down. So when you hear all this stuff on the news, it's well, just, listen, there, it's there's just to get through the election, the- people. It's just, and just yeah, like anything there's, else, there's an agenda there, just like they have an agenda and why they're not doing anything to help all the problems with the illegals. So the, the reason mm-hmm. why, the only reason I brought that up was because Andy Biggs pulled out the real statistics and he, I was, I actually was clapping. So I said, good, finally, somebody is sticking up yeah. for the truth in Arizona. So I'm happy that he's on the team. He's on uh, yes. Team Mendoza to do something about the Angel families. And what, what, what were you going to say, uh-huh. Marianne? I was just going to say that I know several people who work at two different hospitals in the Valley, and both of them have cleared out a whole floor for COVID patients, and not one of those floors has any COVID (laughs) patients in them. Yeah. Yeah, I I heard the same story yesterday, something similar. A friend of mine, Fran, is an x-ray tech in one of the hospitals, and he says he's got one patient. And we're actually having layoffs now because we don't have the elective surgeries. I don't know if they cut off the elective surgeries in Arizona. I didn't look it up yet, but even if they didn't, people are scared to come in, which is why the ICU and the beds have increased so much because people were home for three months, didn't go into the Mm -hmm. hospitals, like the lady I mentioned who couldn't get her stage four cancer treatment. So guess what? When they do come in, and this is directly from an emergency room nurse who works in a she works at Banner Health over there in the Virginia J. Piper. They have like a hybrid department that is for cancer patients, but yet when they have an emergency situation. So it's like a bull. She said she was in a blend of both. She said wow. the people that are coming into the hospitals now, and I talked to her a week ago, they're in such bad shape because they needed attention three months ago. They, they needed right. emergency room or ICU attention or surgeries three months ago. So you know how bad it was then. Now it's three mm-hmm. months later. She said, we, and I don't want to go off on this tangent, but I think it's important because we're just talking about it and I'll make it real quick because I know you got to go. She said every morning on our floor, our, we have teams and we have the you know team leaders and the head of the, whichever, you know, I don't know the name of the department. It doesn't matter. She comes in and she says, okay, I've looked at the cases and I'm going to let you know that let's just say there's each person has 10 making up numbers. The seven are really, really bad. So I just need you to be prepared when you walk in there. And these are like nurses for emergency. So they're used to seeing bad stuff. So just be prepared. There's seven today. 
in yours, there's five in yours, there's, you know, six in yours, whatever the numbers may be, but they're always on the high side. She said, these people are bad. So be prepared. And she said, you know, when you first, she first heard that, you know, I, I can handle it. And she, then when she realized how, what poor health they were in because of the shutdown and not being able to be treated earlier, that it was just, she right. goes, it's really tough. It's tough for me to see this. And it's tough for me to, I'm trying to be upbeat and I'm trying to encourage them. But she goes, you know, most of them, they're not going to make it. And they could have had a very good chance wow. to be okay a couple months ago. And she's, you know, that just having all of this fear that's in the media is causing so much more damage. That's not even the employment stuff. I'm just talking about the health yeah. side of things. Then we're not even talking the opioids or the overdoses or the suicides or the abuse or the child abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, the alcohol drinking. We're not talking about that. I'm just talking regular health problems. Well, uh, and you know, I find it real. funny that none of the media will talk about the coincidence of spike in cases with protests. Nobody will even touch that with the 10 foot pole. <laughs> I bet I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been keeping track and I was writing it down. And the first person that I heard in a political position that mentioned it was today. And it was the governor of Colorado is the first mm-hmm. person that said anything. Everyone else, they blamed it on Memorial Day weekend because people the had Trump gatherings. And- oh, oh, Trump rallies. <laughs> that, was, that was a lay down. They were already telling you that everybody at the Trump rally was going to get it before they even walked in the door. So they, they already made mm-hmm. that. They already had that day in the headlines printed. But yeah. yeah, it was, you know, Memorial Day. And then you go to bars and restaurants. And I think they threw in something with a pool or something stupid like that. Not well, one mention Dr. of that. And Dr. Fauci, you know, saying oh, this Mount Rushmore celebration, 4th of July, <laughs> you know, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. And then when the cameras are off, then he takes his mask off and stands in the Senate hearing room with his hands on his hips. It's like, you moron. (laughs) Yes. Oh, he's he's horrible. He's like a little he's like a little elf. And you just put him in your pocket and you you take him out when you need him to talk. And then you put him back in there. But, yeah, Yeah. he was on vacation during the protest. Of course he was. But because yeah. it was, they wanted, they didn't, it was okay then. That's the thing is that mm-hmm. when that all happened and everybody in the media and even the politicians were in favor of it and they said that was okay. A lot of them went down there for the photo op. I said, the game over. People, stop being cheap. Pull your heads out of your own butts because they just played their card, like I mentioned earlier. They weigh the pros and cons of one or the other and they go, well, you know, we're going to now we're revealing the truth that it's all, I'll say it again, bullshit. And uh-huh. they like, well, we got to look good over here. So hopefully they will forget. And then maybe we'll throw the second wave at them. So, you know, without going into it, all another tangent, but yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned it. It's a, oh my goodness. And the spikes that we're having, they're in the huge amounts down at the border. They're not telling yeah. you where it is. It's not Maricopa County. We are, we're not going out of control right here. If you look right. at the numbers, it's an Indian nation up north. That's yeah. a huge problem. It's not well, happening. And, you know, I drove it's not happening there. in Mesa or Scottsdale. Come on, people. Because it matters. It matters where the bodies are. It matters where the population yeah. is. So it's, um, I'm, I'm glad well, you brought that up. You got me all fired up. <laughs> I drove through the Navajo Nation a couple of weeks ago on our way home from Colorado, and it's completely shut down. I mean, you stop at a gas station, you can't even go to the bathroom. None of the convenience stores are open. Everything is drive-through to get whatever you need. They even had signs on the side of the road, turn around and go home. It was pretty eerie driving through that whole area. 
but obviously they're at a bigger health risk. They've talked about that for many weeks, but it's sad to see what's happening to so many communities. It's bad. And it's a lot but of it, like you said, it's unnecessary. Yeah. If you're sick or if you're at a health risk, wear a mask. But you know what? I'm not healthy. I just got tested last week before I met with Trump. I'm negative. I've taken care of myself. I don't want my immune system compromised by wearing a mask, and I will not wear a mask. And I'm with you on that Sorry. because if you actually look at the real information and it's, people are starting to talk about it a little more, it actually, the mask doesn't do anything. Okay, there's actually it clinical studies. It actually makes mm-hmm. it worse because you're breathing in your own bad air of carbon dioxide, which makes sense to, I don't know who, like that doesn't make any sense to anybody. So why would I do that? And it's there is a one because, person that I've watched wearing a mask who doesn't constantly readjust their mask, yeah. touching it with their hands. What good is it? Everything well, you're touching, you're touching your mask and you're breathing that in anyway. What are you doing to your body? Well, and, um, and, and I am I'm not starting interested. to, yeah, I, and I'm with you. And I'm starting to, I've been keeping track of the patterns that people are having when it comes to how they're talking about masks. And people are starting to change the message where, I'll give you a perfect example. Somebody went on today and was like, I'm wearing masks because I don't want to get infected. And then a doctor came on today. And in the beginning of his sentence, he said one thing. And then later on, he said something else. And I went, oh, so some of them are starting to slip up, I think, and actually saying Uh the truth. So basically what he said was, you know, the whole purpose of a mask is to reduce the respiratory droplets. And I said, well, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. He said, it's actually supposed to be to protect the people around you. It does very little to protect the wearer. And I was like, oh, well, what is the first time I heard that? So uh, he probably won't be on the show for a couple of weeks. <laughs> they got to they gotta pull him back and give him a little talking to. So it doesn't protect yeah. the wearer. So if it doesn't protect me and I'm not sick and asymptomatic people can't pass it to anyone unless you have to have symptoms in order to pass it. And why do I have to wear it? Do you know what I mean? Doesn't make, yeah. They literally are getting to the point where they get sloppy. And this is what happens. People get sloppy because they're not being consistent. And it's starting to happen more so with different people. So keep an eye on that message, people, I, I in general, because you're noticing it's, it's they're tripping yeah. on themselves. They're starting to. I want the statistics of how many people are testing positive who are avid mask wearers. That's the statistic I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we were talking about in California today. That's what Andy Biggs yeah. brought up. It's funny that you mentioned that. It's like the two of you talk on the phone or something. <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, what, what are you wearing to the meeting today? Because I, I don't want to make sure we're the same color. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Marianne, it's a pleasure to get to know you. I am so happy to have you come back on the show. You're going to be a huge part of our platform. Your nonprofit organization is going to be showcased as one of our partners. We're going to be able to do a lot of great things together. Definitely get the message out. We're putting kind of a plan together on really what can be done because this is bigger than I think even what you're really fighting for because, and you've said it throughout the whole show, this is more than just getting some laws changed or politics. And this is about people getting involved because things in this country are drastically changing and not for the better. And if it, if it right. can be, we can motivate people to actually start to help or do something or pay attention, then I'm all on board. So is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners? I mean, like I said, we're definitely having you Just back on soon. Anything that you want to share before we go? 
Anything that you can donate would be appreciated. You know, the sad thing is that the pro-open border, pro-illegal aliens immigration into our country, they get millions and millions of dollars donated. And, you know, we're lucky to get $5,000 in a year. It's pretty tough to operate on those kind of funds to get us back and forth to D.C. We need more of us to be able to go in a group when we do go to testify and be at hearings because it does make more of an impact. But any help that your viewers can give us, your listeners can give us, would be truly, truly appreciated. We're doing this for our fellow Americans. Like I said, nothing we are doing will bring our loved ones back, but we are hoping to prevent this tragedy from happening to any other American family. And even if people wanted to volunteer, you, you could use the manpower. So just right. being some sort of actor, I mean, obviously the money would be great, but they can help out with social media or help out with the mailers or help out with whatever kinds of coordinating. Somebody has some free time that they want to do that. You'll bring on anybody or that's willing to help. get the hearings in their state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and actually start yeah. showing up. And another thing for anybody that is an angel member, angel family, go to the website. Please get a hold of me. Get yeah, a get, hold get, of Marianne. Get. Call her, email, do something. She's here in Arizona. So anybody that's in Arizona that has gone through this, please reach out. And if you know of anybody that this has happened to, get them on board. They don't have to be active. They just sometimes to have that conversation and know that there's other people and just be able to get some feel. Like you said, you know, there's times of the year, times of the month that it hits you. And if somebody else is going through that and they can maybe just get a text or, a, or just know that there's somebody else that they can call and talk to for five minutes or be having access to that counseling, have, can make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And we have conference calls, you know, where angel families across the nation are on the conference calls. I try and pair up newcomers to somebody whose their situation is the same with another situation so that they fully understand and, and can discuss that amongst them. I try and pair up people who are still having cases that are being heard. Thank God that I was spared that. The illegal was killed in the car accident with Brandon. And so I didn't have to deal with him being let out on bail or to have a trial or whatnot. But, you know, there's some angel families that are still waiting for a trial to happen. And I try and pair those people up so that they know what they're each going through. And so it's very important to have an organic organization like we do of victims and victims' families because we've got victims of rape who are part of our group and assault and identity theft and whatnot. And we need to bring it more to the public's attention of what's happening. And if anybody needs to reach out to me, my email is Marianne, M-A-R-Y-A-N-N, at angelfamilies.com is my email. Please reach out. And we're going to have all that information on our website under our nonprofit category. So always going to be there. And we're going to put as much information out there on a regular basis about the organization. So Marianne, you're an amazing woman. So strong. I admire your strength. I admire your passion and your whole purpose-driven mission. You've done, keep up the great work and I think we're going to, we're going to turn a chapter here. It's time for some change. And I think you're going to get some people on board that are listening. So thank you for all that you do. And I look forward to having you back on soon. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate it. Did you know 63% of consumers prefer to buy from purpose-driven brands and businesses that reflect their own values, beliefs, and support charitable causes? Promos for a Purpose provides business owners with ways to support worthy causes and promote their brands at the same time with its comprehensive done-for-you marketing and media program. Visit www.promosforapurpose.com for more information. Promosforapurpose.com You've been listening to Everything Home with Michelle Swinnick. Life. 
laughter, and the pursuit of happiness. To meet, learn from, and hire the experts and the guests, professionals, and members of the Everything Home Socially Conscious Referral Network and Marketplace, visit everythinghometalkshow.com slash episodes. And to listen, subscribe, rate, review, like, follow, comment, and share, go to www.everythinghometalkshow.com and find us on all the major listening platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you were entertained, and we hope that you picked up some real-life, tangible takeaways from some good people doing good business and good things. Till next time, this is Everything Home, signing off. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.